Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. You know, those there, there's those moments... <clears throat> I've always been a proponent that we walk by faith and not by sight. I've always said from the pulpit and from whenever I teach that we don't we don't walk by our emotions, by what we feel. But aren't you glad that we serve a God that knows what you need? And that like only he can do, he can touch. All right. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you've chosen to worship the Lord today. And I know that God's done a very special work in many hearts already. Uh, We are better together. We've been talking about fostering community. And do you know what I... And don't get me wrong, I, I, I love the, that we're doing small groups, community groups, and, I, and we're going to do that. We need to do that more. But do you know what, how I saw community this morning? I, I saw people praying for one another. I, I, saw, I saw people just putting an arm around someone. And at the end of the day... What better expression of community is there than we bear one another's burdens and carry each other's needs? And I hurt when you hurt, and and I need to pray when you have a need, and you need to pray when I have a need. We are better together. I need you. You need me. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, Christ makes us one body, and individuals who are connected to each other you don't have to like me but if you're going to heaven you're connected to me how many you don't have to raise your hand at this how many of you got somebody in your family you wish that wasn't in your family put your hands down I'm just kidding we're we're made for connection aren't we here's the problem we are easily disconnected you ever ran into somebody at the grocery store that you once considered a a friend and then realized that you hadn't talked to them in a year you ever saw somebody pop up on facebook or social media and realize man we used to be close and i don't even know them anymore would you agree with me when i said it's easy for us to get disconnected It's easy for us to get disconnected from our friends, from our family, from our church. I, as well as many of you, watched in horror 
the events of last week in Las Vegas. Monday was my most non-productive day of this whole week because I, I just couldn't get it out of my head. How somebody could display that kind of evil on innocent people. And, and then as I watched the events unfold and we heard news accounts come in from uh, the events and later as the investigation continued, a startling truth settled in my heart. See, they would tell us that he frequented that casino and that hotel, that he was there all the time, that he was seen in the cabana, in the casino, in the restaurants, the, the, the room service Staff knew him, knew, knew what he liked. And then they started interviewing his neighbors, people that he lived beside. And they finally just put a sign in their front yard that said, Don't bother us. We didn't know him. How can you be around that many people and nobody know you? Nobody knew this guy. His own brother didn't know him. So you wonder why I stand up here and scream about community? Are you saying, Dwayne, that if he'd have been connected to a community that this wouldn't happen? That's exactly what I'm saying. Isolation is a dangerous, dangerous thing. You and I are not wired for isolation emotionally and we certainly aren't wired for that spiritually we are not wired to come to church do our dance and leave and not be connected that's not how God put us together he looked at man and said it's not good for man to be alone Don and I have been doing this a little while now we've seen every imaginable kind of relationship begin and end Sometimes over stupid, stupid things. Sometimes over valid reasons. But here's what I know. Is relationships are built and relationships are destroyed. And listen, when a Christian relationship is destroyed, a marriage, a friend, a church, a connection, when a Christian relationship is destroyed, Satan smiles. So I'm going to give you four things today, very quickly. I know we, it's, it's already whatever. Y'all see me look at the watch, but with those lights in my eyes, I have no idea what it says, so it doesn't really matter. I'm going to give you four things, four negative attitudes, four enemies of community. And I say this frequently, but I really mean it today. Don't you dare listen to some of these enemies and go, man, so-and-so needs to hear this. Man, I hope this dude behind me can pay attention because he needs that. I hope my wife hears this. I'm just going to tell you, if that thought pops in your mind, just know this. It's for you. Four enemies of community. Number one, I'm going to give you four things that destroy community, and I'm going to give you four things that build it. Number one, selfishness destroys relationships. 
Here's what Scripture says in James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. Hmm. Sometimes we behave like spoiled little children when we don't get our way. And here's what I'm going to tell you that will kill a relationship. It'll kill a marriage. It'll kill a friendship. I read something that you're going to laugh at, but me and my son, when when we poke back and forth at different things and we share stuff that's funny... We have this saying, we say, it's funny because it's true. This is funny, but it's true. The five stages of a marriage cold. First year, oh baby, I'm so worried about that little sniffle. I've called the paramedics to rush you to the hospital for a checkup and a week of rest. I know you don't like hospital food, so I'm going to have a gourmet meal brought to you three times a day. That's year one. Second year, sweetheart, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've arranged for the doctor to make a house call. Let me tuck you in bed. That's year two. Year three, you look like you've got a fever. Why don't you drive yourself over to the minute clinic? Get some medicine. I'll watch the kids. How noble. Fourth year. Be sensible. After you've fed and bathed the kids and washed the dishes, you really ought to go to bed. Fifth year. Oh my goodness, do you have to cough so loud? I can't hear the TV. Would you mind going to the other room where I can watch the game? You sound like a barking dog. It's funny because it's true. Somebody said, when I first got married, my wife brought me my slippers, and the dog came in barking. Now, my dog brings me my slippers. Filling the rest. Here's what I need you to know. Selfishness, first of all, is human nature. You didn't have to teach your child how to scream and fuss and holler when he didn't get his way, did you? It was natural. Somebody asked me not too long ago, actually it was an assignment in, my, in a class I'm taking, why is there evil in the world? And I know exactly why there's evil in the world. Because there's six billion selfish people on the planet. You know what evil really is? Somebody said there's no such thing as evil. And and here's how I would say that. Saying there's no such thing as evil is like saying there's no such thing as darkness. See, there really is no such thing as darkness. There's only the absence of... Saying there's no such thing as evil is really what you're saying is, is that evil is the absence of God. Want to know why there's evil in our public school system? 
because we've asked God not to show up? Why is there evil in our government? Because we've told God we don't need Him. Why is there chaos in your home? It's human nature. Selfishness is human nature. Our culture feeds that nature, by the way. Several years ago, there was a Sprite commercial. Any Sprite fans? Two? No wonder not not doing so well. And it said, Obey your thirst. Which sounds catchy, doesn't it? Obey your thirst. What's that really telling us? If you got something that you want, obey that draw that's inside of you. And the message is this. If you're thirsty, drink something. If you're hungry, eat something. If you've got a need, fill it. It's all about you. That's what our culture teaches us. Obey your urge. What would our life be like if we really lived that way? If we obeyed every urge. I'm just going to tell you, I, I love my wife with all my heart, but there'd be a lot of dead people in the Walmart parking lot. Dead, dead, cold, dead. Every successful sports team's had to learn how to do this. Thank you, brother. You're a man of God. You, you guys know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baseball nut. There's a reason they call it a sacrifice bunt. Because you're giving up your at-bat to better the team. And can I tell you, every sports team has had to learn that principle that it's not about my stats, it's not about me looking good, it's not about the name on the back of my jersey, it's about the betterment of the team. And can I tell you, we could learn from that. This is going to break your heart. Sometimes it's just not about you. Well, I didn't like that song they sang this morning. Sometimes it's not about you. One time we were saying the blessing in a restaurant. And I would always ask the boys to pray. I said, Mikey, pray. And he prayed real softly. And I said, I couldn't hear you. He said, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure where he gets that sarcastic streak from. Probably his mama. Proverbs 28, 25 says, Selfishness only causes trouble. But there is an antidote to selfishness. See, if selfishness destroys relationships, selflessness builds them. Can we get to the point where it can be more about you and less about me? Hmm. Philippians chapter 2 says, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. May I tell you that those are words to live by. If you can be more concerned about someone else than your own, or your own interests, can I tell you, that's what builds relationships. Because here's the deal, it's contagious. When you go out of your way 
to be kind and courteous, it catches on. Mikey used to tell me when he worked at Chick-fil-A that when somebody would come in and, and do the, the drive-through blessing, you've, you've seen them and heard about them, where somebody comes in and pays for the meal of the car behind them, that sometimes it would go on for car after car after car after car until somebody that just was selfish showed up. No kidding. I mean, I don't know how to say that, but I guess I just did. See, it's contagious. So maybe, maybe you can be selfless to those that are closest to you. Your family, your church, your friends, your co-workers, people you go to school with. Here's who I'm going to talk to. I'm going to talk to our, our Connect Group hosts and Connect Group members. Those of you that are coming to my house on Sunday nights or coming here on Wednesday nights or the other, other groups on Wednesday nights. Here's how you can be selfless in your groups that you're a part of. First of all, you can show up. You know what? I get it. And, and when we started these, I knew that it was going to be... Listen, sometimes you just don't want to go sit on somebody else's couch, right? I'm telling you, if you make this investment, you'll be, you'll be blessed and you'll be a blessing. Um, when, you, when you come to those groups, pay attention. Listen, invest in, in, in what's going on around you. Offer help. Don't hide the good snacks. Can I, can, I, can I be, like, completely transparent here? See, we've been doing small groups at my house for a long time, for many, many years. And sometimes people leave us a lot of food, and somebody, sometimes they take it. And so I was real careful with certain parts of our, of our groceries. One thing in particular. See, about a year and a half ago, Tim Johnson turned me on to the most amazing hot sauce ever. It's Marie Sharp's. It's, it's wonderful. It's, if you're a hot sauce person, I'm just telling you, it's good. But when you come to my house on Sunday nights, don't look for it on the table. Because you just can't buy it anywhere. I'll put the Texas Pete out because it's 97 cents a bottle. The other stuff's going on. Now, y'all going to show up tonight and go, where's the good stuff? All right, I feel better. Here's what Galatians chapter 6 says. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, and ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants, in, listen, in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life and eternal life. Just a message that you've heard all your life. You, you, you reap what you sow. So if, if, you need to, if you need affirmation, see, that, if you've ever done the love languages, that's my, that's my love language is words of affirmation. If I need that, you know what I need to do? I need to sow that into other people. Because whatever you sow, guess what? Comes right back. If your love language is acts of service, you know what you need to be? You need to be a servant. You'll get back what you sow. It's a growth process. Galatians chapter 5 says, Live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Listen, there are going to be times when you don't feel like it. 
When you don't feel like being selfless, you'd rather it be about you. And I'm going to tell you that the only way you'll get past that is when it's an act of God's Spirit. You need to lean into the grace of God and His Spirit and let Him speak through you. Can I give you a really practical example of that? You know, it's funny because I've told Kelly a couple times because I say things about her and it's just part of being a lipe. So I'm going to pick on my wife just a little. My wife is, listen, is probably, definitely, definitely the most selfless person I know. About a year and a half ago, I made a decision to pursue something that, I've, that was very important to me. Um, I wanted to go back to school. And it was a big deal to me. It's not one of those things where I'm back to school so I could get a better job. I have my dream job. It was something that I needed, that Dwayne wanted to do. And we talked about it, and she said, I think you should do it. But see, that's caused some, some, some changes in the way we conduct our household because we've always shared the duties of our home, especially when we're both working. And there are lots of evenings now where instead of helping her with dinner, I'm on the couch with an iPad in my hand or a computer typing a paper. We've always got up on Saturday mornings and, cook, and helped each other cook breakfast. It's always been a big deal. Well, yesterday morning, she's cooking breakfast, and I'm tapping away at a computer. And let me tell you, you know how many times she's complained about that? Almost every day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not, not one time. Not one time. And, and see, I'm telling you that now because now she can't. <laughs> Selflessness builds relationships. Number two, selfishness destroys relationships and pride destroys relationships. Weren't y'all talking about that this morning? <laughs> Proverbs 13.10 says, pride leads to conflict. Let me tell you where pride shows up. If you, have a, if you have a critical spirit, if you can always find the negative thing in people or situations, if you can always find a way to criticize someone else, even if it's to yourself, you have a pride problem. If you fall into the comparison gap, trap, in other words... I don't have a car like that. I don't have a house like that. I don't have a bank account like that. I don't have a husband like that. It's a pride problem. If you find it difficult to apologize, you probably have a pride problem. Here's a big one, a huge one. If you have an unteachable spirit, you have a pride problem, and you're wrong. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I, I can say this with confidence because I, I, that was me for a, long, a large part of my life. I thought I knew what I needed to know about what I needed to know. And you couldn't tell me any different. And I'm going to tell you, I have since learned that if I don't have a teachable spirit, God can't use me. I don't care how much you think you know. Somebody knows more. And if you don't have a teachable spirit, then, then you have hit a lid. There's a whole sermon there somewhere. 
If you're more concerned about you than you are other people, you have a pride problem. If you're always ready to offer advice but never ask for it, then you've probably got a pride problem. If you never admit that you're not okay, because I'm just going to love you enough to tell you, you're not okay. We all got our own share of stuff, don't we? All right. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride will destroy a person. A proud attitude leads to ruin. The Message Bible reads it like this. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. So if pride destroys relationships, then humility will build them. 1 Peter 3 and 8 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. How many minds? One mind. One mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble spirit. The God's Word translation of that passage says, Live in harmony. I I love that phrase. You know, there's a big difference between harmony and unity. And I'm not... I'm not discounting unity, but here's what I, I, why I love that word harmony. Because how many know that everybody in this room is different? That, that God didn't create us on a, on a factory line, on an assembly line. We're different. We're, some of us are real different. But even, even in our differences, how many know that when the Spirit of God is, is working, we can operate in harmony? You know, Don and I have had opportunity to lead a bunch of different worship teams over the last 87 years. I don't know how long. And here's the interesting thing. You can be in rehearsal, and you've got your keyboard player, and you've got a couple guitar players, and you've got a bass player, and you've got, you know, got the rhythm section over here, and, and, and there can be a, somebody's missing the rhythm. And, you know, nobody will go, oh, that was me. I, that was all me. You know, the bass player's going to be like, if the drummer would get online, I'd be, I'd be good. And, you know, the keyboard player's like, uh, you know, it's not me. And the singers are like, it's always the instruments. <laughs> if there's a bad note, it's always somebody else's instrument. It's real. It's always somebody else. And I'm going to tell you that we can't live like that. If we're going to live in harmony, we've got to be concerned about tuning our own instrument and finding our own rhythm. I, I, it's not my job to point at you and tell you where you're out of step. You know what I've got to do? I've got to make sure Dwayne's following Jesus and that I'm living a life submitted to him. Philippians 2 again says, Be humble, give more honor than to others than to yourselves your attitude this is the most convicting passage in the entire bible your attitude should be the same that christ jesus had (laughs) nobody's ever been humble like him see if anybody had a reason to expect glory and to expect splendor and majesty it was the king of the universe but he didn't he, 
stepped out of heaven and walked into this broken, beaten world as a baby, a poor, impoverished child. Never had a home. Spilled every drop of his royal blood for you and me. And we're going to cling to what we think is ours. We're going to cling to our rights. To what we think we deserve. Stop it. What we deserve is death and hell. That's what we deserve. But because Jesus humbled himself and, and died a cruel death on a cruel cross, you and I can know forgiveness and freedom and deliverance and mercy. And you can feel Jesus like you did this morning because he humbled himself. So how dare we exalt ourselves? Mm. Pride destroys relationships. Insecurity destroys relationships. The fear of human opinion disables is what Proverbs 29 says. What insecurity does is it tries to make us control others. Any control freaks in the room besides me? Come on now. Can I tell you, and and I I put myself in that same group, but I'm going to tell you that's birthed in an insecure place. What did Adam say to God after he realized he'd messed up? I was naked, so I hid myself from you. We naturally cover ourselves up. Not just physically, but emotionally, and listen, spiritually. You'll never... Rarely, never is a strong word. You'll almost never talk to someone about their walk with God and them go, I got no devotional life. I haven't prayed in six weeks. Personally, I don't even care if I go to church next Sunday. Nobody's going to say that. You know, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Can I tell you, we got to stop that. If you're struggling, if you're walking down a path that you don't need to walk down can I tell you you need to have somebody in your life that's why I'm beating us up about community there's got to be somebody in your life you can go man I'm struggling I'm hurting I don't know if I can go on you need to have somebody in your life that will wrap their arms around you in that moment and call on the name of God somebody knows how to pray Mm. we're afraid to be spiritually exposed we're afraid of rejection I need to say something here it is raining hey maybe you're here and and I don't know I don't know why God's assembled the group that he's assembled here but I've talked to a lot of people who've got a fractured church background who have been hurt by an organization or people within the organization who have been made to feel like you don't belong I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation 
So here's what I want to tell you. You belong here. Well, Dwayne, I'm, I don't have all my stuff together. You're, in the, you're absolutely in the right place. You belong here. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure what I believe. I didn't say you had to believe to belong. I believe if you belong long enough, you'll believe. I can't believe I said that right on the first try. If, if insecurity destroys relationships, let me tell you something. Can I tell you one of the coolest things that ever happens? It's when somebody, when God starts dealing with somebody, and, and maybe you've had somebody say these words to you. In a pastoral sense, I've had people say these words to me. Maybe you've had it as well. When somebody says, I've never told anybody what I'm getting ready to tell you. You know what? You know what's on the, you know what's on the other side of that? freedom you know what's on the other side of that is deliverance and breakthrough when you get to the point where you can say i've never told anybody what i'm getting ready to tell you can i tell you what hell gets nervous in that moment because you're only as sick as your secrets and when you start spilling those secrets out and you start putting them in front of somebody that knows how to pray can i tell you it's, it's something powerful happens then so i can i just tell you i man have somebody in your life that you can speak Spill it to. That's not going to judge you. That's not going to point a finger and go, well, I thought you were saved. Well, you know what? That looks like pride, and I thought you were saved. I'm riled up this morning. I just don't know. If insecurity destroys relationships, love builds them. First John chapter 4 says, such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other. Oh, this is powerful. We love each other. Why? Because we're good people. We love each other. Why? Because we just got a good heart. We love each other because God first loved us. And He's our model. And He's our example. Love takes the focus off of me and puts it on you. Mm. Isn't, isn't that what God did for you and me? I, I wonder if this thought process went on. You know, the Bible says, who can know the mind of God? God said, I want to redeem them. I want to purchase them back. But it's going to cost me my most prized possession. It's going to cost the life of my son. But that's how much I love. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. <laughs> Didn't God show you that kind of love? Aren't you glad that He did? You and I should be a conduit of that love. You and I should be a conduit of the love that God showed us to a world that's gone to hell around us. Everybody in the building today, you're going to make a choice. One of two choices. I want you to make a choice to begin a relationship with Jesus. If you never have. And I want you to make a choice to strengthen a relationship with Jesus. 
encounter His love. Lastly, resentment destroys relationships. Job chapter 5 verse 2 says, Surely resentment destroys the fool. You're going to get hurt. Sooner or later, somebody's going to say something, do something, be something that's going to hurt you. And, and truthfully, you've got no control over that. Here's where your control steps in. is what you do with it. What do you do when someone hurts you? You have a choice to make. You can respond like Christ. Or you can let it stew and build and fester and, and just simmer in your heart. And before long, that hurt becomes resentment. And it's no longer a problem between you and somebody else. It's a problem between you and God and every other relationship you have. <laughs> How many know you can be right and wrong at the same time? And that results in how we respond. I'm going I'm to tell you something. I'm going to be a little transparent here. Of course, you're used to that. Um, not too terribly long ago, I, I felt like I was hurt by somebody. I felt like somebody had done something and I was completely innocent. And so what I should have done in that moment is pick up the telephone. And I should have dealt with it. But I didn't. You know why? Because I felt like I was right. Anybody ever been down that road? I felt like I was right. It's up to that person to initiate the healing. Anybody been there? And so here's what happens over time. That initial, I was right, they were wrong, became resentment in my heart. And it started keeping me awake at night. And it prevented me now. I'm stubborn and I'm not going to create that. I'm not going to initiate that contact. And so here I am finishing my notes this morning at early, five o'clock or something. I've got my computer in front of me and I see resentment destroys relationships. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord in my heart. And He said, You can't say that. You can't get up there and preach that until you do something. So here's what I had to do. Five o'clock this morning, I had to send an email. When, even though I thought I was right, and say, I'm sorry. I should have contacted you when I felt this initial hurt. I should have said something. I should have called you, and I didn't. So I'm sorry. You don't have to respond. Please just accept my, my apology. That was real easy to do. You know, hashtag sarcasm. You got that right. That was so. But can I tell you, there was freedom. As soon as I hit send, I, I felt freedom. That, that resentment, that hurt was gone. Now, what, what if, what if I carried that for a year or two or 20? Then a relationship would be forever destroyed. 
I'm going to tell you what God's plan is. Is if you're holding resentment, if you're holding bitterness against someone else, fix it. Well, it's not, I wasn't wrong. I didn't, that's not what I said. Fix it. You do everything in your power to make it right. And then, and then you can say you did all you could. Right? But if you hang on to it, and I know it's time for y'all to go, but we need to hear this, don't we? I'm glad that three of y'all agree with me that we need to hear this. We're done. Resentment destroys relationships. Listen. If resentment destroys relationships, forgiveness builds them. Just let that sink in a minute. To worry yourself to death with resentment is a foolish, senseless thing to do. Today's English version of the first passage I just read you. So Don's going to come. I'm going to talk to you about EGR people. Yep, Rick Warren calls these people EGR. These are people in your life that are EGR, extra grace required. Got any EGR people in your life? See, there's some names that, that jumped in your head. If names didn't jump in your head, it's probably you. <laughs> we deal with conflict quickly, and we deal with it directly. Let me tell you what not to do. Don't shroud your conflict on some ambiguous Facebook post. Deal with it face-to-face. Deal with it person-to-person. And here's what happens. Hebrews 12 and 15 says, look out for each other. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you for it, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. If resentment destroys relationships, forgiveness builds them. Colossians 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Bow your heads. Here's what I hope you've been challenged to do today. A couple things. I hope you've been challenged to strengthen your relationship with Christ. A big part of that is to invest in the community. Be a part of a community. And I hope you've been challenged that if there are relationships in your life that are broken, that you, listen, don't wait on somebody else to fix it. That you do all you can. Go the extra mile. Take the extra step to be a conduit of love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. You take the step. You initiate the contact. You take responsibility. Don't be right and wrong at the same time. All right, let's pray together. Father, I thank you that your plan for us is to prosper us, not to harm us. That your plan for us is to build relationships. Forgive us for our actions that have destroyed them. God, I pray that even now, that you'll plant the seed of forgiveness, you'll plant the seed of love, and you'll plant the seed of selflessness in all of our hearts. Help us 
Be like Jesus. Think of other people ahead of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.